Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Pull my computer cord out of it. Whoops. And we are live. I could just notice that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ghost Chronicles. Uh, what is this? Next Generation. The next Generation. Yeah, this is... <laughs> I just did international. I get so confused. And hopefully, it'll be a better start than the international one. We had all kinds of problems there. But we're on the road. We're in That's the old Anmobile. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're back. We're back in the studio. Woohoo! No, we're on the road. Well, we're on the road. Oh. Back in the studio. No. <laughs> on the road. Don't listen to her. Well, anyways, we're very happy to be back in person, live, 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 and. We've missed all you guys, so we have. it's Definitely. good to be back. Yeah. There's Nate in the audience. Hey, Nate. Yep, we have Nate behind the scenes tonight instead of in front of the camera. Yeah. But so we decided for our first show back in studio, we're going to take a road trip. Road trip. And since last time we did Route 66, mm -hmm. this time we're going to do good old Route 95, which one runs right down the East Coast. And we brought Prudence along. She's in the back seat for the ride. That's who it is. Yep, Prudence is here, yeah. And we've got our little ghosty, ghosty bobblehead on the dash. And we're ready to roll. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. It's annoying, by He's the way. He's dancing away. I love him. It's annoying. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Anyways, so where are we going? So in? we're going to start. We're in the car. And by the way, how come you're driving? I'm always driving because I'm a better driver. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. Believe it. If you've ever driven with Ron, okay, I know a lot of people will back me up. I'm driving. I'm driving. So, taking the wheel, we're hitting the road, and do do do. do. <laughs> the, what's that dead body over there? I gotta switch. Ooh, it's bright and sunny. Thank God, but I gotta put on my reading glasses. Yeah. Okay, so I-95, main road, north and south, going up and down the coast. The of, entire coast. Yeah, the entire coast of the east of uh, the United States. And it is going to start tonight up in Maine. So, yeah. do, 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 do. so we're starting a journey near the very tippity top in Bangor, Maine, with the Bangor Opera House Bangor. at 131 Main Street. I should say it like a true Mainer, right? Banga? Banga? I don't know. So on Main Street in Bangor, Maine, this historic building survived the Great Fire of 1911. Only I remember that. I know, right? You must have been there. Terrible. Thing. Least, Terrible. Must have been at least 50 years old by then. Terrible. Oh, so it survived the Great Fire, only to be destroyed all over again in 1914 and then rebuilt. The members of the Penobscot Theater Company, which is housed in the Opera House, have reported many hauntings over their tenure. During the 1914 fire, a brick wall collapsed, killing two firefighters whose ghosts have been seen in the audience during performances. Really? <laughs> I guess they like to enjoy a good show. Full-body apparitions of a woman, supposedly named Heidi, in the prop room and sewing area 
have been experienced on numerous occasions by longtime staff members. Another ghost who has made herself known is that of a little girl by the name of Sammy, who likes to play trip tricks such as taking cookies, pencils, cookies. and shiny objects. Ooh, shiny objects. Sort of from like the, me, you know? Like Ron. Yeah. From the box office area and relocating them to other areas of the theater. Actors have reported seeing faces and hearing voices while rehearsing on stage, as well as seeing faucets turn on and, on and off by themselves in the ladies' room. Really? That's a problem. Why? Uh, well, if you're in there and you're going, there's really nothing you can do about it, you know. But anyways, um, uh, and the door is open and closed. I'd like the door to stay closed when I'm in the ladies' room. Oh, okay. The general public has also seen translucent, ghostly figures on the stage stairs during events. So transition ghosties. There mm. you go. That's that scary. is the Bangor Opera House. Yeah. Next, we should go there. Oh, we are there. Yeah, Prudence, hold on to that. Okay. Next, we're going to Portsmouth, <laughs> Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Literal. <laughs> no, Prudence is, is holding on to him in the back seat. Yeah. Our friend Roxy Zwicker, hostess of the historic Portsmouth Legends and Ghost Walk, can attest to the high level of hauntings in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Picking just one location was difficult, but I decided on the Chase House at 698 Middle Road. The house was built in the late 19th century as a home for orphaned children. I grew up there. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually became a court-appointed children's home. That sounds like fun. Legend says a young girl hung herself in her room and can now be seen late at night in the hallway. When she's approached, she reportedly runs away and disappears. Some say they've heard her screams from inside her former room. Locked doors have been said to open of their own will, and lights and ceiling fans have turned off and on for no reason. Sounds like a lot of fun at the, uh, the orphan's home. Thanks, Prudence. All right. So sad. Hitting the road again? All right. No, we're I'm still in Portsmouth. Just down the street. To Newcastle. <laughs> Actually, okay. it's Newcastle. Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle. Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse is in Newcastle. Isn't there a beer? Newcastle beer? I'm sure there is. I think there is. Yeah, and there it is. My favorite spot. Because <laughs> those, as you who know, I uh, sometimes do ghost tours there for, to raise money for the friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. And we've had tons and tons of great experiences there. So anyway, what about Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, which is in Newcastle, by the way? Uh, which is an island. Did you know that Newcastle was an island? I did not. Yeah. It's uh, connected by bridges to the mainland. The 48-foot uh, iron and brick tower was built in 1878. I remember that. I bet. For over 130 years, it stood guard over Portsmouth Harbor. It's right oh. before you went to the children's home, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, a long line of keepers oversaw the Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse until it was finally automated in 1960. The keeper who served the longest there was Joshua K. Card, ah. who retired in 1909 after 35 years of service. Wow. Sort of like me in this show. Dedication, right? Yeah. You just can't, you can't, yeah. can't leave. When people asked Joshua what the letter K stood for on his uniform, he would tell them, Captain. K for Captain? Yep. He died okay. in 1911, but it seems he's never left. Uh-oh. Coast Guard workers, because it's on a Coast Guard base, by the way, 
Ah, yeah, right. it is. At the nearby That's Coast Guard station has reported hearing footsteps and seeing someone moving in the old keeper's house. Voices near the tower and an apparition of a woman on the walls. Ooh. Other workings, others working at the tower have heard disembodied voices and unusual noise, noises. Almost, although most of these incidents happen at night, my God, I can't even read. <laughs> One of the visitors to the lighthouse met the captain in broad daylight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was on her way to the uh, tour of the lighthouse when she noticed the man in uniform. However, when she reached the lighthouse, he was gone. Oh, no. Why are you driving? We're parked. I'm driving. Huh. I'm reading. Right. You're driving. We're driving around the island. Crazy. You're driving around the lighthouse? Way you're driving. <laughs> That's the way she drives. Don't laugh. Uh, let's see. So, anyways, they uh, they saw this guy in uniform. However, when she reached the lighthouse, he was gone. Later, the visitor was able to identify the uh, captain the from captain. a photo. There have been several investigations with great results. However, the New, New England Ghost Project Ta -da! Ta -da. Uh, That's me. New England Ghost Project. See? Yeah, okay. Um, collected the most interesting pieces of evidence to the state. While recording EVPs in a tower, one of the investigators, that would be Jim Stoner, asked, is there anybody here? The recording clearly says, it's the captain. It's the captain. Yeah. So there you go. Awesome. There's, yeah. So. Something like a good. I love that place. I've seen captain? a full body apparition there while doing one of my tours one time. Really? Yeah. What was that like? I didn't think it was a. It was a ghost. I thought it was a person. Oh my god. Until I found out it wasn't. Man, woman. What was it? A woman. Oh, a woman. neat. Yep. It was uh, on the fort actually. So. Hmm. Interesting thing. Great place to visit. Very and, cool. Uh, yep. We are the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. We take care of that lovely structure, which is a money pit, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. All right, all right. So we're going to hit the road, we're moving going. down the road again. Now we're we are headed, where would we head next after New Hampshire, you say? Uh, Boston. Oh, Boston. Massachusetts. Boston. Massachusetts. We'd never leave Boston, Mass, right? Did you know that Maine was once part of, of Boston, of Massachusetts? I did know that, actually. Yeah. Back like in Civil War times. Do you know why it became a state? Why? It was part of the Missouri Compromise. Uh -huh. There had to be a certain number of slave states and, and non-slave states. So they, they took a chunk of Massachusetts and said, hey, we're going to make you a new state. Wow. So there you go. Neat. There you go. That is cool. You learn something every day. That's right. All right. So since cemeteries are always on my list, yeah. I want to talk about one of my all-time favorites, which is in the heart of Boston, Massachusetts. Spider Gates? No. Not Spider Gates. Ron hates Spider Gates. <laughs> He's quite disappointed when he visited Heartbroken is the word. <laughs> Disgusted? I don't know. Any of the above. But we're going to talk about the Granary Burying Ground, and it's uh, right at 95 Tremont Street, across the street from the Beantown Pub which is where my husband likes to sit when I go in that cemetery. <laughs> like a good pub. Oh, yeah. He has, he's, he's perfectly, perfectly willing to go uh, cemetery tripping if he can go in there. So it's the third oldest cemetery in the city. It was established in 1660. 
after uh, the predating King's Chapel, which is just down the street, uh, reached full capacity. And it was once a part of, actually, the Boston Common, uh, which is the oldest public park in America. So it was originally occupied mostly by cows roaming around. Uh, and its borders were framed by... Let me get it. It's haunted by cows. Uh, no, oh. not by cows. Right, so there was this little small plot near the back of the park, and but it was in our houses and everything. So they finally dedicated an area to become the granary, and it uh, accepted new burials for over 200 years, with its last interment said to have taken place in 1880. Uh, it's estimated that over 5,000 remains are buried in this cemetery, yet today less than half of the gravestones remain. A hidden crypt was discovered in 2009. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the one who discovered it. Uh, the woman touring the graveyard fell through the ground into what appeared to be a stairway leading to an underground tomb. I, I take it back. I, I think would I would love like to that. do that. What are you talking about? That's an experience I, of a lifetime. Right? If I didn't get hurt, I think I would definitely be all over Why, did she right? get hurt? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say. Well, probably not then. <laughs> I would have been like, uh, there would have been things reaching like, out to grab you. And I, I don't know. So uh, they believe that that crypt she fell into, which was 8 by 12 feet, uh, it, it's believed to have been built to store the remains of Boston Mayor Jonathan Armitage, who died in 1751. Uh, wonder what else is buried underneath there that they don't know about. Mm. I don't know. So the hauntings. So the specter of James Otis Jr. is said to haunt the granary. Uh, after this prominent Boston, Boston lawyer, prominent, got a bottle broken over his head during a bar fight. Was that the same pub your husband was in? <laughs> Maybe. His brain functions became extremely impaired, which in turn affected his mental health. That could be me. Legend has it he wrote a letter to God amid his crippling depression, begging to be struck by lightning and killed. As if by fate, kazat, he was soon struck by lightning while at home, and he died instantly. Better get a charge out of that. <laughs> his remains were interred in the Granary Burying Ground, where he, he appears to visitors both day and night, dressed in his colonial-era threads. There you go. There you go. Prudence. You roll the windows up. It's awful cold right. in this car. No, it's very. Damn. We have cranks. It's a low-budget car. Low okay. Low-budget car. Yeah. People are going. All the young people are like, "What a cranks!" What a cranks! <laughs> oh, I know. It's those two people that do the show. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I have another Boston one. Yes, you do. I'm I know. waiting for you. Stop the car. Okay. Mm. So another favorite spot in Boston is one that Ron and I actually investigated back in November of 2011. Me, 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 me. And it was cold, yeah. Uh, this was so funny because he called me up literally, I think it was that morning. He's like, you want to do an investigation of an old jail in Boston tonight? I'm like, yes. And off we went. So, it's um, funny you didn't say that when I had that old mill out in oh, uh, no. East mm -mm. Windsor. That, was, that like was February, in the literally in the middle of the, the winter coldest, in the snow. Absolutely the coldest day of the year yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to go and visit an old mill. No. Mm -mm. Wimp. No, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I heard like, a lot about how cold it was there, too. It was so terrible. I thanked God I did not go. Uh, so 
we went to this old jail. I had no idea what it was. It's Charles Street Jail. Okay? Yeah. So, and they were rehabbing it to become what is now the Liberty Hotel. All right. If anybody else has ever been into this hotel, it is incredible. Um, You've been in it? Yeah. Ooh, oh, it, yeah. I'm impressed. You should go. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I see it now. And they Out kept. The so, like, they kept, like, the yard, like, they had this big courtyard in yeah. the middle, and it's, it's, I don't know, four stories, five stories high. They kept that, and that is, you can go up, and there's balconies all the way around that look down into this amazing courtyard, and the windows are 33 feet high. Uh, so, the place is just amazing, and, and little did we know when we were investigating, you know, what it was going to be. So uh, it was completed in 1851. That, that is the old jail there you're seeing now with all the, let's see, one, two, three, four, yeah, five levels. Um, so the Charles Street Jail was built by a very famous architect, architect Gridley James Fox Bryant, uh, who did a lot of architecture in Boston and unfortunately died at the end, at, at penniless at the end. It's really weird. Uh, so it was also known as the Suffolk County Jail. It was built in the form of a cross with four wings extending from an octagonal rotunda that included a 90-foot tall atrium. And the four wings served a particular purpose, the segregation of prisoners by gender and offense. And a lot of uh, this was kind of the, the plot plan for a lot of jails all over the United we, States we going in forward. Those cells? We were in those cells. Yeah. We have a picture of us coming up soon in those cells. Ooh. There we are. There we are. Yep, in those Damn. very cells. See, I didn't know that picture was there. It just—it was such a fond memory. Uh -huh. <laughs> we had a uh, uh, like. You notice I'm bundled up. How cold the yeah. freaking place was. Yeah, I had to borrow your coat. I think I'm wearing your coat. Yeah. So the 220 granite 8 by 10 feet cells were lit and ventilated by the 30 arched windows, each 33 feet high and elected sheriffs were required to live on the premises. Sacco and Vanzetti, James Whitey Bulger, and World War II prisoners of war are just a few that spent time behind bars in the Suffolk County Jail. And there we are, God knows where we are, on what level. Oh, there's Mike, right? Yep, Mike was there, yeah. Mike Markowitz, Karen Rock was there, yeah. and I can't remember the other people. Uh, as time passed, the jail became more crowded and began to fall into a state of disrepair. Riots and prisoner escapes were frequently happening, and newspapers were reporting the inhumane conditions of the Charles Street Jail and held the city accountable, and it was eventually closed in 1990. Ghostly sightings and experiences have been reported by both guests and staff of the Liberty Hotel. The most common reports are many from the glimpses of a figure outside looking in through a window. The eeriest part of these reports the ghostly peeping toms appearing through upstairs windows. Ooh. Oh, Russ, can you put that back, that picture you had up? Okay, so there's this star window, which you see, uh, and, and everybody says, why were there pentagrams in the jail? Uh, <laughs> so it's a round window with a star in the middle. So there was a bunch of these piled up in the corner, and uh, we said, oh, you're going to throw those away? And they're like, yeah, you want them? Um, yes. And I brought mine home, and Mike brought one home. Ron sadly did not. Ah, but um, I got a billy club. Uh, that's cool. And I repainted my window white, and it is quite beautiful and lit with twinkle lights up in my living room. That's so, 
that was really cool. So we have a piece of the Charles Street Jail in our house. So back to the ghosts. The kitchen is an extremely active area in the hotel. Employees claim to have witnessed pots and pans clanging together and phantom voices calling out orders for items that are not on the menu. Imagine that, the audacity of those ghosts. Some have seen full-body apparitions of guards and prisoners alike in the kitchen. And perhaps the most disturbing of all reports are the sounds of heavy boots stomping on the catwalks and the echoes of cell doors slamming oftentimes accompanied by extreme temperature changes and the faint sound of sobbing and Aww. distant cries. And I will tell you, um, so down in the very, the bottom of the hotel, they saved some of the cells, the bars, and there's a restaurant down there called Clink. Clink. Check it out sometime. It's pretty cool. Clinky. Uh, so, stay at the Liberty Hotel. Watch out for the peeping toms up on the seventh floor or whatever it is. All right, we're hitting the road. Here Where we, we go. Going now? Here we go. We're going to Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Yay. Hey, Rhode Island. Yeah. On the road again. Shall I sing us on the road again? No. Have you got your story ready, my friend? I'm always ready. Okay, ready. we're on the road they again. They call me Ready Eddie. Yeah, mm -hmm. mm. something like that. Something like that. All right, we're going. All right. Are we there? Yeah, we're there. Are we there yet? Talk. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, we're in Cranston, Rhode Island, and we're at the Sprague Mansion. Now, the Sprague Mansion, uh, there it is. Right there. Isn't that a cool place? Very nice. And uh, we did a three-continent, three-ghost hunt uh, live broadcast on Halloween. Cool. Way back in the day, we had haunted Devon in, in the UK, we had haunted Australia in Australia, and we were at the Sprague Mansion, and it was broadcast. And uh, we took messages on um, Ghost Village. In fact, we crashed the site, the Ghost Village. Site. <laughs> Jeff Belanger's never forgiven me for that. How thoughtful of you. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so anyways, what is the Sprague Mansion? Rhode Island businessman William Sprague built the Sprague Mansion in 1790. Through the years, it has been see, uh, it has seen its share of tragedy, mystery, and murder. Ooh. In 1843, Amasa, 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 my name is Amasa, uh -huh. Amasa Sprague left the mansion and never returned. Uh-oh. His body was discovered the next morning by the road. Ooh, was that what we hit? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He had been bludgeoned to death, so they say. Oh. Looks, looked like a car hit him, but I don't know. Uh, he had been bludgeoned to death, shot, and bitten by a dog. Oh, my God. Poor dog, huh? I know. <laughs> John Gordon, an employee of the mansion, was arrested on circumstantial evidence and convicted for the murder and hanged in 1845. Gordon was the last person executed in the state of Rhode Island. Oh. Sometime after his death, Evidence came to light of his innocence Oops. in the murder. Oops. Oops. Sorry. We have a do-over? Uh. This led to a public outcry, which eventually resulted in the abolishment of the death penalty in Rhode Island. Although Gordon was hanged, it seems he may have been one of the spirits still roaming the mansion. Mm -hmm. uh, keeping Gordon's ghosts in company, uh, Kate Chase Sprague, 
who has been seen on the staircase, Amasa Sprague, William Sprague II, Amasa's wife, who went insane. Oh. I'd be insane wow. too if I was married to Amasa. <laughs> Hey, Amasa. The poor guy got murdered and bludgeoned to death. I mean, you know. Yeah. And Charlie the butler. Charlie the butler. Charlie the butler. The butler did it. Yes. There you go. The mansion uh, has many abnormal hot spots as well. They should have looked at him first. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Photographs hot of... Hot spots. Hot spots. Hot spots. I thought it was cold spots. No, no. Was... Oh. Photographs of strange light anomalies have been captured in the dark wine cellar. The creepy doll ring room, excuse me, which has a collection of porcelain dolls, is known to unnerve the most seasoned paranormal oh, investigator. Oh, we know someone who wouldn't like that doll ring. Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Clay. He'll never uh, The carriage house uh, also is where dark creatures move among the shadows. Mm -hmm. Ooh. It was added to uh, the mansion's reputation as one of the most haunted places in Cranston. Neat. Yeah, I think it's the only Didn't place. Didn't Kent DeCoster invite us to come down there anytime? Something like that? No. He has nothing to do with it. I thought they investigated the Spring Mansion on a regular basis. No. No? Not that I know of. Okay. It must be my imagination. Maybe, maybe you're right. Your memory is better than mine. I, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's for damn sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Oh, Stick okay. Stick a fork in it. It's over. Do you have another one? No. You have another one, yeah. No, I don't. You have one in Connecticut. Well, we haven't got it there yet. Well, we just finished Rhode Island. Well, drive us there. Oh, you here we go. Ahead. All right. Here we go. All right. Okay, that was a quick one. Thank <laughs> God Rhode Island's a little state, huh? Yeah, right. Here we are in Connecticut. Wow, I'm the way of that. Just Ran over a massa on yeah, my you way. You notice Connecticut? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Damn. All right, Tenery's going to hell. It All right. Is. So we're at the Mystic Seaport. Ooh, what a beautiful place. Oh. Huh? Ooh, damn seagulls. Do a lot of shopping. Seagulls. <laughs> Mystic Seaport. Oh, you can go to the casino while you're there, too. Yeah, I know. That's a great Right place. down the street. Yeah. Anyways, uh, in the Mystic Seaport uh, in Mystic, Connecticut, you'll find the Charles W. Morgan, the last whaling ship and the oldest commercial ship, ship <laughs> still afloat. <laughs> still afloat. S-H-I-P. That's what I said. Yes. Yeah. Built by Jethro and Zachariah Hillman. <laughs> in Jethro. New, Jethro and Zachariah. Okay. And uh, we shouldn't make fun of people's names. That's not nice. No, it isn't. Yes, no. Um, Hillman in New Bedford, Massachusetts. The Morgan was launched on July 21st. Ooh, that's this month. 1841. Coming right up. Ooh, that's the anniversary, right? July 24th, 1841, 1941. 20, ooh, that's like 180 years or mm -hmm. something. Ooh. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, anyways. Over an 80-year uh, whaling career, the Morgan embarked on 37 voyages with a crew averaging 35 men. Most trips lasted three or more years. Oh. Uh, she is known as a lucky ship. Oh. Okay. Having successfully navigated the Arctic ice, hostile natives, Wow. Countless storms and the rounding of Cape Horn. Ah, always a challenge. Yes, mm -hmm. always. I, I, I had some good experiences here myself, tough ones. After her whaling deeds ended in 1921, the Morgan was preserved by the Whaling Enshrine Incorporated. Never even heard of that. Uh -huh. And exhibited by Colonel Edward H.R. Green's estate. 
at Round Hill in South Dartmouth, Massachusetts. In 1841, 41, 41, <laughs> I think I'm drinking wine. No, what she are was you thinking of? Okay. She, she was acquired by the Mystic Seaport Museum, where she had since dominated the Chubbs waterfront. Whatever. Okay. Ghosts. But whaling. Where are the ghosts? But I'm getting there. <laughs> but whaling was an occupational hazard. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even on a lucky ship. Mm hmm. Many whalers lost their lives in pursuit of whale oil used to fuel lamps of the day. Drownings, falling from the riggings, as well as numerous accidents and illnesses oh, yeah. were common. With such a long, perilous juries, journal, it's a little wonder why some of the uh, whalers have decided to stay on board. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Ghost stories began to spread when the Charles Morgan was used in the film of the 1997 film, Amistad. Oh, Amistad, wow. Everstead, River, yes. Anyways, uh, three crewmen said, said they felt a presence. Oh. One of the most common sightings has been that of a gentleman in the blubber room. The blubber room. Which is the bed. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> which was mid-level of the ship. <laughs> a man dressed in 19th century clothing, working with some wine and smoking a pipe, has been seen. Staff also regularly see the spirit down in that area uh, of a man, what? Oh, the man is so real that the people think he's part of the exhibit. Oh, that's cool. See, Neat. that's kind of like what I had at Portsmouth. I right? thought it was a real person. Thought it was part, part and parcel, yep. Yeah, anyways. Uh, staff, also, uh, staff also claim to hear disembodied voices, phantom footsteps on the ship. Some of the voices sound like people having a full conversation, even though there's no one aboard. Wow. As they are uh, closing up for night, the staff members have heard voices thinking that they left some visitors behind. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone to check it out, but no one was there. So that's the old chase. Ooh, very cool. Yeah, I guess it was. Well, you know, we've driven from Maine all the way down to Rhode Island, or no, Connecticut. So I think we need to hit the rest stop. Yeah. And um, we need to hear uh, a paranoose. Really? And we're going to. We have a paranoose? We have a paranoose. Oh, we sweet. do. We got it to work. I was having a little trouble with it earlier. But. Awesome. We would love to hear from Nate. We're going to let him take the wheel for a moment, and we will be back when we're done at the rest stop. Yeah, I guess so. Leanne Wilbur, the daughter of Marianne Enos, formerly Stockley, and Leon Wilbur, grew up in Warwick, Rhode Island. Leanne enjoyed acting and, in early years, was a big part of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She also loved her black cat, Max, horses, riding her hardly, and traveling. She had been a truck driver and bodybuilder. Friends and associates of Leanne Wilbur have described her as an intellectually curious, gregarious, trustworthy woman. She treated everyone equally. With those who she was close to, she was very real, blunt, and had a dark, sarcastic humor. The Lizzie Borden House in Forever, Massachusetts was the site of the 1892 grisly axe murders of Lizzie's father Andrew and stepmother Abby. 
1998, Martha McGinn and Roland Evans converted it into a museum and bed and breakfast. In 2004, businessman Donald Woods, Leanne's domestic partner at the time, bought the Lizzie Borden House property and business for $200,000 after the two of them visited there for the first time on a Valentine's Day. The two of them remained friends and had a good business relationship after they no longer were strictly a couple. Leanne eventually would live above the gift shop due to the legal requirement that a bed and breakfast owner or representative be on the site. For 18 years, Leanne left her mark as mistress of the house as manager and curator. In 2018, Donald Woods bought Maplecroft, the house Lizzie and her sister Emma lived after Lizzie's acquittal in 1893 for $500,000 with the idea of turning it into a bed and breakfast. The unmarried Lizzie Borden, who lived until the age of 66, was 32 when she allegedly murdered her parents. Due to the loss of revenue during the pandemic, the bed and breakfast was sold and Maplecroft has been listed for sale. Jeff Belanger, she was both kind and funny. She was generous with the house. I'll miss her phone chats. You put the house on the map. Amy Bruni, one of the most hospitable and funny, not to mention incredibly generous. You will be missed, my friend. Stephanie Burke, thank you for almost two decades of kindness and friendship. I'll miss your stories, your laugh, and random phone calls greatly. Chip Coffee, I am saddened to learn Leanne Wilbur died. She was always so kind to me whenever our paths crossed. Rest in peace, my friend. Anne Kerrigan, a very gracious host. Always a very nice lady. She will be missed by all, but especially the paranormal community. God bless. Ron Kolick. Bless you, Leanne Wilbur. You touched so many lives. I remember her showing me a video on her phone of the flies by the basement door just after a TV show had just been there that week also ushering her into the East Bridgewater Cam Studio for an episode of Ghost Chronicles. Tiffany Rice, we lost an amazing woman. Leanne Wilbur gave me her friendship and countless opportunities. We would talk for hours. Tim Weisberg, this wonderful lady became a true, real, beloved friend. She was wonderfully weird, delightfully wicked, and endearing. John Zappis, my calendar for today, call Leanne Wilbur and set a time for us to meet for dinner. Rest in peace, my friend. And we're back with Jonathan Restop. Oh, that was sad. It was sad. Yep. Probably we, will, uh, we will miss her. Yeah. And uh, very, very um, heartbreaking. So, but God bless. Uh, All right, so back on the road. Yeah, we are. Trying to do another uh, Connecticut stop. We're going to go we're down to, uh, we're still in Connecticut, yeah. yeah. I thought we were out of Connecticut, but then I remember we needed to go to Bridgeport. I guess not. So Bridgeport, 
uh, has been voted one of the most haunted cities in the country. By who? I don't know. Somebody. It's also home to the Lindley House, which many of you may know about. And this was thought to be one of the scariest homes in the world. Of course. The home drew attention in the 1970s for its ghost sightings. The clergy was brought in to bless the house. Famed paranormal investigators and Connecticut natives, Ed and Lorraine Warren, searched the home, later deeming it one of the most famous, well-documented poltergeist cases in history. Thousands from across the country, spurred at the time by the recent release of the movie The Exorcist, <laughs> gathered in front of the small, one-story, four-room house. Four rooms, folks. Not a big place. Looking to catch a glimpse of the phenomenon, which is said to also include talking animals and strange noises. The story Sounds like my house. Right. <laughs> the story began in, 19 began in 1960 when Gerald and Laura Gooden purchased the home on Lindley Street. In 1967, their only son, who was stricken with cerebral palsy, died at the age of six. The family then adopted a girl, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. The strange occurrences started to occur once the girl entered the home. Mm. For some reason, they got worse in 1974 and the family called police. Clergy were also called to examine and bless the home. Building officials examined the foundation, which was deemed safe. Well, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but anyways. Even Ed and Lorraine Warren visited the home showing the crowd pieces of cross that exploded. They later called the event one of the most famous, well-documented poltergeist ca ca cases in history. That. I already said that. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm repeating myself. I'm old. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big, very big deal back in the day. But um, boom, house is still there. I think. I think that's what that first picture was. The house today. Whatever. All right. Back on the road. Here we go. Where are we going? We're going to New York City. Woo! Yeah. Baby. Oh, New have I got York, a story? New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High stepping, babe. <laughs> this is this is a this is a great story, and I had not heard this one before. Okay, so we're going to 57 West 57th Street in New York City. All right, Big Apple, baby. So in 1922, Albert Champion. Uh, he was a professional cyclist. There he is, an inventor of the spark plug. Right? Who hasn't heard of Champion Spark Plugs? Oh, yeah. Right? Cool, yeah, huh? Pretty cool. Um, he met and married the much younger Edna Crawford. We have spark plugs who in I this believe, car. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we do. Um, of Kansas City, I believe. She was an actress. And in 1927, uh, so he met and married this, this girl. And in 1927, in Paris, Champion stumbled across Edna and her French lover a man named Charles Brazel, canoodling. Canood they were canoodling. How dare they? Oh, my God, in a bar. Did you ever clear this window? No. The two men fought, and Brazel punched Champion. Hours later, he died in his room at the Hotel Maurice, apparently of heart failure. The fight was never investigated. Oh. Edna, now $12 million richer, returned home to New York with her French lover where the two found a beautiful penthouse apartment at 57 West 57th Street. 
At the time, there was a medical office for the mentally ill occupying the three floors underneath the penthouse apartment. Oh, yeah, that's a place I want to go. Right? <laughs> I want to move right in there. But apparently it was just where they wanted to be. When Edna discovered it was not available to rent, she purchased the entire building for $1.3 million in cash. Then the two lovebirds started on a massive remodeling of the penthouse, complete with a 40-foot Venetian mural that, in, uh, that featured a nude portrait of Edna Ooh. and a $30,000 gold canopy for their bed. Aww. But alas, Edna and Charles' relationship was not long for this world. Allegedly one night after one of their drunken rows had gone too far, Charles beat Edna to death with a telephone. <gasps> a telephone? It's for you. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Edna, we shouldn't laugh over this. No. Edna's bodyguards, she had bodyguards, right? Who calling? Fat lot of good they did. Yeah, I know. He, the Why bodyguards. Would you want them in the bedroom? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently, he used to chase her yeah. around the apartment because he was, like, crazy, and he's drugged so she, up. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so they seized Charles and threw him over the balcony. <laughs> 19 stories. Whoosh, down you go. Are you serious? They threw him over the balcony, yep. He must have splatted. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Let's not talk about it. But years after this incident, the penthouse apartment the sidewalk. <laughs> sat empty until radio producer Carlton Alsop and his wife and their four Great Danes, there's Carlton, poor guy, decided to make that uh, 57th, 57 West 57th Street, God, that's hard to say, their home. But things quickly went downhill. The dogs acted strangely, whining and refusing to enter the apartments. Both Must Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Allshop complained oh. of hearing the click-clack of a woman's high heels on the floor, even though there was no one there. At her wit's end, Mrs. Alsop moved out, abandoning the marriage. Carlton tried to cheer himself up by throwing wild parties. There you go. Hey, she's Look gone. Look like a true man, right? She's gone. I'm going to party hardy. Ding dong. But his guests complained <laughs> of feeling <laughs> ill at ease in the penthouse, like someone was watching them. Another claimed she was followed down the stairs by some unseen woman. I wonder who that was. Ooh. Eventually, Carlton Alsop went mad and checked himself into the mental hospital just a few floors below his gilded home. They, the first people bought that thing and left the mental hospital yeah, still there? I guess so. That's what they say. Wow. Whether it was the ghosts of Edna and Charles or the former patients of the hospital, and sanitarium that had occupied the top floors that had cursed the penthouse. No one could be certain, but any person who went to look at the penthouse went away with a terrible feeling. Alsop could never rent it out, and once released from the mental institution, he abandoned the property at a considerable financial loss. Once again, the top floors sat empty for years. So. You're still empty? I don't know. Yeah. They said somebody tried to buy it in um, they were filming something. I'm surprised there. Zach didn't buy it. Zach, oh, Baggins. Baggins, I yeah, know, right? For his haunted museum. That would could have moved cool. it up there in the uh, yeah. Yeah, there you Think go. Of all floors. You could have the penthouse oh where all the murder was, and then the yep. sanitarium for the other ones. Could, oh man, I didn't make a fortune. Yep. Zach, if you listen to me, I'm <laughs> telling you, go out and buy that freaking building. <laughs> all right, so we're only halfway down the coast, folks. I don't know if we're going to make it to Florida. This oh, evening, we'll never make it to Florida. But we may, I we may have to do another that. show. <laughs> I will guarantee you mm -hmm. that.
You're next, aren't you? Oh, no, me? I'm not, my oh, dear. Damn. Okay. Here we go. We're in New Jersey now. It's like a portal. <laughs> Ghostly sightings and experiences have been noted in just about every part of Princeton, including the Nassau Inn and the Yankee Doodle Tap Room. There you go, Yankee Doodle. You were talking about that earlier. Ooh, I must be psychic. It must be. Where dozens of apparitions have been accounted for throughout the course of two and a half centuries. Nick Ballas, director of rooms at the Nassau Inn, reported on several occasions having heard strange noises. <laughs> Are you driving on your side? No, I'm dancing with the little Oh, dolly. the ghost? It's a little ghosty. Put him back. He won't dance anymore. He danced with me. Seen bizarre <laughs> figures and while staying overnight, Oop, witnessed a translucent woman in a white dress floating up the stairs from the second to the third floor. The fifth floor is where some of the eeriest stories come from, remarked a front desk attendant at the Nassau Inn. There were several instances where guests called down with concerns of hearing constant chatter from disembodied voices. A few guests also described feelings of being hugged by an invisible stranger. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. And I need a hug. Let's a go to the Princeton. <laughs> Princeton purportedly has quite the cast of famous specters in the area to communicate with. George Washington, John Witherspoon, and Albert Einstein are among the many celebrity spirits associated with Princeton that are believed to frequent the surrounding shops, residences, Hotels and universities. There you go. Didn't we have a lady on the show who talked? Pretty sure we did. About what? Talked about this place. You did? See, that sounds familiar. All right, we're back in the you car. It's your turn. What? Don't they all sound familiar. They all sound familiar. <laughs> Haunted hotels. Yeah. All right, we're going. We're going. We're going to. <laughs> boom, boom. We're still in New Jersey. We're just driving a little further. We driving are? a little further. Yep. You're in New Jersey. Ooh, this is scary. It's your. Oh, it's your turn. Where are we <laughs> I now? I can stay on the road. I don't know. It's spooky. Ooh, too spooky. Know. It's very spooky. We're in the Pine Valley. Ah, barons, barons. That's, that's why it's spooky. Yeah, that's Ooh, creepy. Ooh, that's creepy. The first people, people, and they're people, all right, ever to live in the Pine Barrens were the Lenny Lenape Indians. Lenny Lenape? Where the heck are you? Right here. Is that a Lenny Lenape? Lenny Lenape. Yeah, see, I don't like it. Lenny Lenape? Whatever. Sounds Italian to me. Who lived in the know. area around uh, 1200 AD? I remember that. Oh. For centuries, the <laughs> land was undisturbed, and around uh, 1694, the first European, because there goes the neighborhood, came in. Yep. They brought their families and, yep, damn kids, and started, <laughs> a, and started new families. Slowly growing in size, they moved into the Malacut River region of the Pine Barrens. Now, Pine Barrens, mind you, is a million acres. Wow. Yeah. It's it's not like it's a little Boston spot. Common. Yeah. Yeah. A little wooded, no, wooded grove. No. 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 Okay. So uh, since New Jersey was such an iron-producing region, I did not know that. I didn't either. Uh, iron? The area was... Uh, uh, the area, what? The area played a large role in the Revolutionary War, as well as the War of 1812, because they produced diamonds. I uh, get it. Yeah. Got it. This is perhaps um, the first known timeline of violence in the Pine Barrens. When coal was first uh, discovered not too far away in Pennsylvania, uh -huh. the uh, settlements in the Pine Barrens uh, essentially were, became goners. People fled the state to get jobs in uh, 
promise of better lives. There you go. So they just abandoned the Pine yeah. Barrens. As a, result, as a result, entire settlements in the Pine Barrens were left basically to rot. Wow. Yeah. Like the apocalypse. Yeah. Zombies took over. Yeah. This is uh, very much uh, a part of the paranormal activity uh, in there. This is where it came from. Along with the ghosts uh, that once lived in the settlement, the ghosts of those who once lived, and they. What? What? You Didn't you read these when you printed them? Oh. No. <clears throat> Along with the ghosts of what once was a lively settlement, the ghosts of those who lived there are said to still inherit the land. That's the dumbest sentence I've ever heard. Inhabit yeah. the land. One of the uh, spirits who said uh, still wanders the Pine Barrens is none other than the headless Captain Kidd. Pirates! Kid? Why are there pirates in the middle of the Arr! woods in New Jersey? Pirates! There's pirates in New Jersey? Pirates! What? Okay. Along, Captain Kidd. Well, along with his spirits, uh, it's said that many more roam the land, including a boy who was a victim of a hit and run. Were you driving by there? Oh, by Church, I'm sorry. Who still wanders and is said to be searching for the person who killed him. It and, wasn't me. And it wasn't around back then. On Burnt, Burnt Mill Road, that was where he was hit. Stories about a white stag. That wanders the area, as well as a black dog, that is said to dwell in the area as well. One of the most famous stories is that of Jesse Still. You might ask, who is James who is, Still? Who is he? James Still. It wasn't Jesse. It was James. Who is James? Get it right, will you? Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, who was a doctor during the time of slavery? Okay. Who was lynched for practicing his uh, medical field? What? Practicing in the medical field. Okay, he was doctor and he was practicing the medical field, so they lynched him. That would string you up. I guess not. You better cut that out. In contrast, it is said still is a friendly spirit who actually helps people. Oh, yeah. okay. Isn't that sweet? What does he help them do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What? I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't. This is. All right. Oh. Who else is there? Guess, who else is haunting it? Oh, the most famous one. Who? Besides Captain Kidd, the a one pirate. The, the one the hockey team is named after, the Jersey Devil. Oh, that's the guy we're looking for. The Jersey, Jer the Jersey Devil is uh, one of the most popular, popular and well-known <laughs> legends to come out of New Jersey, specifically the Pine Barrens. This region is a breeding ground of supernatural stories, but none so medicine as that creature that can fly through the trees. I thought that was Superman. <laughs> the tale of the Jersey. Did you know that Superman couldn't fly when he was first introduced? No. Yeah. Why? He could bound buildings on a single bound, but he couldn't fly. He couldn't fly. He didn't have. That's dumb. No, he learned to fly. Okay. I guess. All right. Got Get back wings. to the demon. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. back to the demon. Right. Who could fly through the trees, right? The uh, the region, uh, the tale of the uh, Jer Jersey Devil claims that the creature was actually the 13th child of a woman who went by the name of Deborah Leeds. When the child was born in 1735, it was said to be a demon. Oh, my God. Who came out with hooves and wings oh. and a horse's head. You know, after 13 children, I might think that about my 13th yeah, child, I would too. Think I'm so sorry. Too. <laughs> no offense. 
her husband. Uh, she never knew my, uh, it, if Continue. That's, is that, if that's not creepy enough, there are plenty of eyewitnesses counts to black to uh, back up this claim that the creature actually exists. Those who uh, haven't seen the creature have said to hear it a high pitched scream. <laughs> yeah, not even close. He said, he looked, <laughs> said it had a horse's head. <laughs> oh, yeah, that works. It's uh, terrifyingly recognizable. The first person, the first person recorded an actual sighting was none other than Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, my God. Brother. Is someone making this up? <laughs> Joseph Bonaparte. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I, I call bull Moni, bull pucky on this. Anyways, go ahead. Wow. <laughs> the sighting, decks back, sighting dates back to 1820 when it was said he saw the creature himself. <laughs> 20 years later, the same creature was determined to cause uh, the various death of uh, livestock. Paranomia and fear surrounding the Jersey Devil became so real during the 1900s and to 1909 that hundreds of people <laughs> reported seeing the creature. These sightings were taken very seriously. Very seriously. Very seriously. Very serious. As there were a number of reported attacks oh in the area God. as well. Things got so chaotic, chaotic, or chaotic too. Chaotic. Yes. That too. That they shut down the schools. Oh my lord! If it ain't COVID, it's another thing. <coughs> oh, Holy wow. crap! Are you almost done? I am so scared of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, things returned back to uh, relatively normal for the state, I but hope, not before. I hope so. A $10,000 bounty was announced for anyone who could catch the elusive New Jersey Devil. <laughs> oh my God. God, that was scary. We had everything in that story. Oh, we have five minutes left. There's no way we're getting to Florida from New oh, Jersey. No Holy way. crap. All right. No way. All right, that, that story had everything. We had Captain Hook. Um, we had Napoleon Bonaparte's, Napoleon Bonaparte's brother. Yeah. Uh, who else do we have in there? Boy got know. hit by a car randomly somewhere, somehow, somewhere. Some doctor. Um, some doctor, doctor who got who hung, helped people hung with for slaves. being a doctor. Yeah, apparently. The, the, working with the I don't know. Because he worked with the slaves. That is the craziest up? account of anything I've I ever heard. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, everybody who's listening. <laughs> I'm really sorry. One of the most famous stories involves a man, James Still, who was a doctor during the time of slavery, who was okay. lynched for practicing in the medical field. I, I, did, I just don't even, yeah. I can't even fathom I don't know. That. He was I'm going to tell my doctor to watch out. <laughs> He's a doctor. That's a lynching effect, I, you know. Apparently for the slaves. That must have been, that's all I can get I out of I don't know. That. I can't get it. Oh, my good God. I know. Well. We need to go for a drink. I know. <laughs> we yeah, we're not going to do that while we're driving, though. No, never, of course not. Never, never do that. Never, no, no, never, no. We won't do that. Never think we'll, and drive. We'll, we'll pull over and, and, and stay somewhere until, yeah, right. until we can take our next road I'll trip. Get you, I'll get you another one of those. I'll get you one of those motel rooms with the big no, red shape. What the hell was that? Whirlpool bath in it? Remember that? <laughs> we went out. Where were we yeah, at? Oh, my God. Oh. We, Peterborough, uh, no, no, uh, no, no, uh, no, North Adams. 
We went out to North Adams. Yes, North Adams. And it, don't ever let Ron. The Notel Hotel. Don't ever let Ron or Jeff Belanger make the hotel arrangements. Oh, wait a minute. I, I just I, want I, to let's say Let's not this. blame Jeff. Let's blame where the blame goes. Which I know. Is, was Weisberg. Oh, Weisberg was the, the hotel? Yeah. I see. And that was only because they got Darkness and Dave involved, and our budget just went to hell. Oh, my so God. So we ended up going to this no-tell motel. That, but that was a different investigation. Yeah, but, but that, was, that was brutal. We weren't, no, we weren't, um, we were, uh, oh, God, where the hell were we with the heart-shaped tub? Lennox. We are in Lennox. Now. Oh, that, I'm sorry. never mind about that. And that was not sorry our room. It was my room, folks, just to make this clear. Right. This one, remember, remember I checked you in? Yeah. Ooh. This one uh, sets up the hotel. He's like, all right, I, I got us rooms to stay out in Lennox. good. And um, so we're checking in. He's like, yes, you know, there's two rooms reserved. And he says, one for my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Points to me. He says, uh, yeah, he says, like, uh, he says, oh, we have one of them with a. Uh, nope, nope, he didn't. He just said, there's one on the first floor, and there's one on the, oh, okay. on the second floor. Yeah. And, and Ron said, well, Give the first floor room. Oh, we have two minutes. To my to daughter. My daughter. Yeah, <laughs> so I get the key. I, yes, you still had a key. Yes, now I remember that now. I opened the door, and I opened the door to the room. And all he said to me was, the whirlpool didn't work. I Looks like you're making a left right. turn, by the way. I know. I lost, my, I lost my arm here. Um, and I walk in the room. There's a giant red heart-shaped right. tub. <laughs> Drop my bag. Get on the, the phone. phone. Get on the phone. I'm like, Ron! Come down and Get see this. Here. Paranormal it, activity, is oh, it? excuse me. And it was all mirrors. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Can't forget that. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So we have we have two minutes left. So I, I was like, oh, wow. Is there paranormal activity oh, there? Oh, geez. So naturally, he runs in. We have to take pictures. No, cool. not with water no, in the tub no, or anything. No, no. It, it, the tub didn't work. Did you ever use it? Oh, well, no. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I can't even. It's like a swimming pool. I don't even know how much, how long it would take to fill it up. I no. do remember the time you used the tub with the, that had the Whirlpool jets and some clunk I had put uh, shampoo. shampoo shampoo in it. Does anybody know what happens to a Whirlpool bath when you put uh, yeah, shampoos nope. in but it? But we got to wrap it up right now. We got to go. Lawrence Wug Bubbles. We, we got to go. Okay. That was a different place. Yeah, different that place, was, different that time. Was, that we got to wrap it up. We want to thank you for uh, going along this uh, trip with this us. This crazy road trip. And we'll, and we'll continue our yeah, because uh, we have another, um, like, what, um, 10, 12 states to visit. We got to go. So it was nice to be back. It was. Excellent. We hope you uh, had a nice night with us and a nice road trip. And Tanya's a washing, by the way. We're going to hit the road and head home, and we will see you Good night. next time. God bless, and stay safe. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump.
in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.